Hello, and welcome once again to Episode 7 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code on our brand new show. My name, once again, is Dimitri, and I'll be your host for this episode. And I am joined today by my fellow completionists, Ben. Hey, hey. And Johnny. Hey, everyone. And Fernando. Hello, hello. So since it's that time of year for Apple events, we figured we'd discuss some of the announcements that were made uh, earlier in the week, or last week if you're listening next week. Um, so Johnny, why don't you get us started with uh, how iOS 14 was kind of rushed out the gates uh, as soon as that announcement was made. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So um, me, like most other developers, were, were a bit surprised by Apple's announcement. Um, you know, we, we thought as we were watching the Apple event that they would maybe release it, you know, next Tuesday. Because I think that that's what they've done in the past is they've usually done, released it a week after the actual um, keynote address and whatnot. Um, anyway, they decided to go ahead and just, uh, you know, release it the next day. I don't think any developer was was ready or prepared for that. Um and it, it got pretty crazy. I, I wouldn't say that it was a smooth release at all. Um, it seemed like the the day that it came, or the day before it came out, they were releasing uh, the the Gold Master of Xcode, uh, and then I had heard rumors that they released like a second version of the Gold Master of Xcode because the first version was having issues uh, actually submitting to the App Store. And pretty much the whole day was was spent um, hurrying and trying to prepare our iOS 14 build, and uh, and even the next day when when we had finally been approved, uh, trying to release it to our users, App Store Connect just constantly gave me saying there was an error on the page and that I should try to release again later. So definitely not the smoothest uh, release. I don't think it was. Um, yeah, I think they could have waited a couple of days, especially because the new hardware wasn't even coming out until Friday, I believe. People weren't receiving it until today, so I'm not really sure what the motivation was for, for releasing it on Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, I let's not do that again in the future. <laughs> it was very strange indeed. And one thing that I kept hearing in Twitter was like, well, you had months to prepare. But uh, the, the GM dropped like immediately after the presentation and then you only have like 24 hours to test some issues that, that are popping up. I, I think it's a little bit unfair from Apple. Yeah, because you can say all you want that you had months to prepare because of the betas and stuff. But as we all know, every time a beta comes out, necessarily <laughs> all kinds of things can change and can make things that, that didn't work work and things that worked didn't work. And, so, and that is yep. true both of the betas and also of the GM build between the last beta and the and the, the gold master release that's you know we're all going to use uh, things can break and you have to or, or things can be different and would re- and require code changes on your part so uh, it is it is I think a little um, unfair right to say that like well you had months yeah. yeah you had months generally speaking but you also really only have however much time between the last <laughs> beta and the GM to actually make <laughs> yeah. sure that it's ready yeah not to mention that uh, I feel like maybe it was kind of an indication that we shouldn't be striving to be there on day one of uh, like the OS release uh, and that that rush to get there on day one is something that may be something of the past. 
Um, now, I guess we'll see if, like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing. Uh, if on the next OS release, it's going to be the same situation where it's just a surprise, at which point uh, maybe Apple is admitting that not everyone updates on day one uh, and they want to stagger it out a bit more as well, not only from the OS point of view, but also the app's point of view. Um, and as long as your app is not necessarily broken, uh, I think that's what they're maybe hoping for. Because in the past, it was always like, we want all these apps to be out there so that way they can show off all the new features that are in the OS. But maybe they don't necessarily want to do that uh, because maybe that caused too many people to jump on iOS 13 and then everyone realized what a dumpster fire uh, <laughs> that was early on. Uh, so maybe they're taking a different strategy of, oh, maybe if we don't make it such that every app uh, has brand new features for iOS 14 on day one, then people will kind of jump in a little slower uh, and they won't be as disappointed. Uh, like, that's the only devil's advocate point of view that I can take from uh, <laughs> trying to explain why on earth they decided to do this. Even even if that were true, I mean, at least throw us a bone, right? If you ship the AGM one day before the presentation, everyone would be panicking, but at least you get, like, two days' notice. Like, because it's just, like, no, zero. We already know that Apple's very tight-lipped. But literally, zero communication, and now we're, yeah. like, speculating about this. Well, are, like, is it important to be on the one? Is it not important? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I literally fixed a bug yesterday that apparently stack views now have a background on iOS 14 on the GM. <laughs> so it used to be, yeah, it used to be that they would ignore the background because they were a type of CA layer, and now they don't. Uh, so it's like, okay, we're... Whoever's downloading the app uh, I work for on, on iOS 14 gets all sorts of funky backgrounds because we weren't ready to ship on time. And there's an example mm -hmm. of something that changed between the beta and the GM release, right? So mm -hmm. it's like that whole months of pre preparation thing is not true in that case. Exactly. Like didn't have any notice. Yeah, so hopefully not for the next time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, other things that got introduced um, is Swift 5.3 with iOS 14. Uh, and XO12, uh, and there's quite a few uh, new features. So I thought maybe we, I could go through them quickly, and then we can uh, pick and choose which mm -hmm. ones are our our favorites. Uh, so the first one is kind of a contentional one, uh, where uh, we can have multiple trailing closures. Uh, and there was a lot of discussion when this was being proposed, as far as uh, how we can name those closures, so that way everything is um, easier to parse. Uh, and I think the the approach that Apple took here was uh, to just go ahead and add this feature that doesn't remove any existing functionality. Um, and in the future, we could rediscuss whether to introduce labels for every trailing closure or not. Uh, so for those that don't know, a trailing closure is basically a way of having a little code block that follows a function, and it doesn't look like it's part of the function directly. Um, and that supposedly makes the code a little nicer to look at, um, but it's, it's purely syntactic sugar at that point. Uh, and there's nothing uh, extra there. But this was a problem when there's multiple closures. How, how do you make that look nice? Uh, and up until now, it was kind of all over the place. Uh, but now there's a consistent style that uh, Swift developers can use. Uh, so that's one improvement. Another one is uh, multi-pattern catch clauses. So basically, you can check for errors. And you can check for multiple patterns of different kinds of errors in a do catch block. Uh, and you can just um, use them consistently like most other features uh, in Swift, like switch uh, um, switch statements and things like that. 
Uh, a great new addition is that self is no longer required in many places. Uh, so mm-hmm. when you are uh, when you do have a closure that captures a struct, for instance, you don't have a reference to anything. So there's no reason to capture self. So there's no reason to acknowledge that you're adding self. So uh, Xcode will now no longer bug you about adding self dot to every method or property call inside of closures when it's not entirely necessary. Um, enums can now be made comparable without you doing additional work. It will just take each case in the order that you place them and they'll just magically be comparable, which is awesome. Um, I think this works because basically under the hood, enums are transformed into numbers when they're stored in memory. So it basically just convert, like checks the individual values to see which, which one comes before the other. Um, but a nice surprise from this is if you have associated values and they also are comparable, it will go ahead and um, order those appropriately as well. Now, uh, we also have uh, type-based program entry points. So basically, you can specify where the main of your program is, uh, where mm. before you had to have main.swift mm-hmm. with a main function. Uh, no, in Swift, you didn't have to have a main function. You just had to have a main.swift, and then whatever's in that file is your main function, um, like in most C-based languages. Now, you can tack an at main onto any structure that has a main function itself, and that will be the main entry point. So that'll make like server-based Swift stuff a lot uh, cleaner going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we can now have where clauses on like individual functions. You don't have to have an extra extension just for one function where you want to have a uh, where clause for the specific type. So that can just really? be packing onto the function. That's really, really neat. That's nice. Uh, we can have enum cases as uh, protocol implementations, basically. So if you, have a, if you have a protocol that declares you need to have this property, uh, and you have an enum with something named that property, you can say that enum conforms to that protocol, and it will just work, uh, which is really neat. Uh, did set is a bit faster now because it's not always going to reference the old value, so it can be called in place rather than jumping to uh, somewhere else, and it can be bundled in line, which makes things faster. We have a new float 16 type. Um, and then as far as Swift Package Manager goes, there are a bunch of uh, new functionality in there for bundle resources and localization um, and binary dependencies. And this will make uh, libraries like Firebase a lot easier to use because you won't necessarily need to use Fire uh, CocoaPods uh, to be able to integrate it. Uh, now, we'll see if that's actually going to become the case because I, I hear they're still working on it. Um, so what are all your thoughts uh, with regard to all of these new additions to Swift? I know a couple of friends who will be, who are probably annoyed about the self change because they mm-hmm. really, really liked having like self be explicit. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a thing because you're coming from another language or what, uh, but I remember like having a conversation about that and they're not going to be pleased. Well, you can always make it explicit, right? That's it's the optionality of it. No, that's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I and, welcome that change personally. I, I don't like seeing self everywhere, so I'm, I'm happy about that. That's it. After I learned that key command, I think it was control option command F to just apply all the fixits, I stopped caring because I, I was like, oh, there's a thing. Op command control option F, uh, and then it just applies all the self dots to everything, and I'm like, okay, time to move on. Yeah, so. I agree. It's like like Ben said, it's a welcome change. And the uh, you said something about the where. Yeah, uh, so on functions you can put a where and basically say that this generic type 
uh, is comparable. Uh, and that function will only apply in that scenario. And that doesn't need to be as a part of an extension where the um, generic type is comparable. Um, and again, that's like a code cleanup kind of thing. You had to have an extension just mm -hmm. for that. Whereas mm -hmm. now you can just have it all together and not have as many uh, jumps around, especially when you have nested types. If you had to have an extension for that, then you have to jump all the way out of where you are and have your extension. And that can be kind of uh, distracting to your code and how you put it together. And speaking yeah. of uh, seeing this and, and having it be a little more concrete, um, there's a really great website, what's new in Swift.com, and they have a way for you. It's, it's run by, uh, by Paul Hudson. And so you can actually compare two versions of Swift, and then it will give you kind of the differences. Um, so particularly if you're a visual person, you need, you need like visual feedback on these changes. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes, but um, that's a really place, good place to kind of check this stuff out. Yeah, it's and I shamelessly copy. Yeah, yeah, he, he wrote, writes the articles on every new feature, and then this basically accumulates those articles and shows you the diff between the versions. So I shamelessly use that to build this list. I'm not going to lie about that, because that is an <laughs> awesome resource. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it also means you don't need to keep rereading the Swift guide every time there's right. a new version of Swift. You don't either need to keep up like week by week on what's coming out in the next version of Swift, and you're not even sure if it's actually going to come out because they have a lot of discussion on everything. Because, so this is like the perfect resource. It's because two straws has already done all that work and it's, it's already <laughs> turned it into a lovely diff for you. Because some, I, was say, I think he might be a clone or something because I don't know how how he gets all this stuff done at once. Oh, but, man. Yeah, that was literally impressive. my point, yeah. <laughs> it's like how it, it's run by him. How does he do it? It's like, does yeah. he have like, what? what's the Harry Potter thing? Where the clock or my time turner? Oh, time yeah. turner. Like, does he have a time turner? Because yeah. that's amazing. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere at once. <laughs> All right. So well, Ben. Yeah, let's let's move on to uh, kind of the next big thing that was talked about at the at the event, which is uh, a, a little subtle. And if you're not. Uh, if, if you weren't paying attention, or maybe if this is a new event for you, like if if you haven't been following Apple uh, until recently, um, typically how this works is that uh, they do their iPhone event usually first um, in the fall, and then other hardware comes out after that. And I think because of COVID and everything else is going on, they they had announced over a month ago that they were going to be delaying the iPhone launch till October, and so. Uh, we ended up with iPads first instead of iPhones. And what's kind of really interesting about that is that they went ahead and launched the new iPad Air, which is uh, a really cool design. It's taking the iPad Pro design um, and uh, most interestingly is now run on an A14 chip, which is their newest generation A-series chip, their custom silicon, um, and in fact is supposedly the very first chip in the world, I believe, to run on a 5 nanometer process from their chip manufacturer, TSMC, um, which is pretty cool. So they're world first in that sense. Uh, was it 11.9 11, 11. million? Do I have that right? Million transitions, transistors or... Billion, billion, billion. Yeah, it was billion. Yeah, billion. Sorry, I knew that. I knew I was probably off by an order of magnitude. But yeah, so uh, just an insane amount of transistors on a tiny little chip, um, and uh, it's going to be very performant. And 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 interestingly enough, so two things, right? We're seeing this chip per premiere before the iPhone, which usually the iPhone is the launch vehicle for this kind of this kind of tech. Um, they also kind of downplayed the performance, I think, a little bit because they compared the A14 chip against the A12, which was the last chip that appeared in an iPad Air. Um, but that was not 
super recently. Since then, they released the A13 Bionic, which is what's in the iPhone 11 series phones, um, and the iPad Pro, I believe. Um, so a little interesting that they were that they almost were kind of like showing you the 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 differences between the A12 and the A14. Of course, they're going to be a little more impressive because that's a fir- that's a a wider amount of time between uh, those two things compared to like the A13 and the A14, which are closer together and therefore won't have as much of a, a jump. And the the thinking behind that is that there might be some extra tricks up up the A14 sleeve that they're keeping close to the vest right now because they want to show those off and kind of brag about it when the iPhone 12 comes out. And so we're thinking that we may also see some additional um, improvements and or we'll know about some of these additional improvements in the A14 chip uh, when the iPhone 12 comes out because they will take that opportunity to, to brag about them. Um, so interesting that we're kind of getting it in reverse. Uh, and then also, as I was watching the iPad Air portion of the event, sitting there with my iPad Pro that I bought in 2018, uh, I was thinking, why isn't th- isn't that effectively better than what I currently have? Which in 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 some ways it actually is better, um, and in some ways not. The cameras on the camera camera on this one is better than the one on on the new one. Uh, and there's a few other smaller things that are arguably better. Uh, but in general, it seems like uh, going forward, I'm, if if people ask me for advice on iPads, I'm probably going to say, uh, ask them what they want to use it for, and either tell them get the new iPad, the one that's 329, because it's incredibly capable, mm-hmm. or get the iPad Air. I I don't think there's going to be much call for the Pro unless you have like a very specific set of things that you want to do that you can only do on the Pro. It's interesting they kind of, in my opinion, shifted like the 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 popular advice from, from being like, get the pro to no, you should probably get the air. Plus you'll save, you know, hundreds of dollars when you do so. One do interesting that... thing, go for go, it. Go. Oh, one interesting thing is that the the A13 chip never actually made it to any iPad or other device. Right. It's only an iPhone chip. So we are seeing an A14, not an A14X or Z right. or anything, an A14, which is probably meant to go in an iPhone yeah. in the iPad and we can only assume that it's meeting the thresholds of the iPad Pro, which is a like super-powered version of the A12, like on right. its own. Uh, so I think maybe they skipped the A13 generation of iPad Pro uh, CPUs, if only to widen that gap even more once the new iPad Pro and ostensibly probably the Mac comes out yeah. uh, later this year. Uh, because then we're going to see the true power of an A14 chip with many more cores and many more mm-hmm. GPU cores. Um, and I assume they can just add more linearly with the amount of power draw and heat consumption that they expect, right? Right. So uh, on an iPad with no fan, it's just you just have a, a giant heat sink of a, of a chassis, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can push it to a certain amount of um, thermal um, envelope, uh, certain thermal envelope. But right. then on a Mac, where you do have a fan, you can probably push it even further. Right. Um, so they can just add more cores in that in those situations. And because we have no A13 variant to compare it to, this A14 variant can likely blow the A12 like out of the water at that point. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to ask something like that. Like, if you guys think that we know that the ARM Macs are coming soon, um, are they coming with a new iPad Pro? Oh, like, so ARM Max and a new iPad Pro at the same time? 
Yeah, that that's an interesting thought. I I hadn't thought of that. I I you know, it is it, it does seem pretty clear that that in a kind of a very weird set of circumstances we're seeing not only a preview of the chip that will very likely be in the new iPhone that isn't announced yet, which is strange. Mm-hmm. And also probably the big the 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 basic structure of what will be the first uh, ARM Mac chip. So yep. that's it's it's very weird to get like a sort of a preview of sorts on hardware that isn't yet announced. Uh, you know, at least portions of it. Um, but yeah, that that could be. I w- so I will I will say I was surprised. I was not that surprised there was no new iPad Pro because they just revved it in, in May. So it seems yeah. weird that they would then rev it again. But I was surprised um, and disappointed that they didn't rev the Mini um, because they last revved it in yeah. 2019. Uh, and it could certainly use an, an upgrade, and maybe they're holding that back for the spring or something. I don't know. You know, to go to a, I would, I would love a mini that is pro shaped, so like you know, flat sides, mm-hmm. edge to mm-hmm. edge screen. Uh, and either, and and I was gonna say Face ID, but now I'm thinking, you know, Touch ID <laughs> in the in the in the home button or the, sorry, in the power button would be great. Because so, yeah, sorry, yeah, just to add to that. Uh, just what you said, Dimitri, got my gears going. And it's like you could, in theory, I don't know if this this pans out or not, but you could, in theory, show, like, the new iPad Pro, like you said, where where you have the chassis being the heat sink and the main heat dissipator, and then above that, like, an intro arm Mac with a fan, and then above that, something, Mm -hmm. like, insanely powerful. And then you present it, like, at the three levels of the A14 for, like, the, the new generation, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say that would make sense. Uh, ben, I was going to say, maybe the iPad mini not being uh, updated kind of confirms an iPhone mega in the future, where there's just an even larger <laughs> Perhaps. I actually, so I use uh, an iPad mini as, uh, it's both a drone controlling uh, nice. thing, and also like for just like watching videos at night and stuff. So uh, it's it's definitely not. I, you know, I certainly don't need one, but like I would, I probably would have. I have a because I have a Mini Four, so it's not even the most recent Mini. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. previous gen, um, and I could, I could probably find an excuse to buy one. Uh, but I guess they're not gonna. I'll save my pennies for the iPhone Twelve. Dimitri was thinking iPhone Mega. I was thinking iPad Phone. <laughs> and you just meet in the middle, like you guys just come together, and you just meet right in the middle. Yeah. So Ben touched on Touch ID on the iPad. Fernando, can you tell us a bit more about what's going on there? Yeah, I think um, I actually have a question more than than a statement about it. Because do you guys think um, this is a scrambling situation for Apple where they're going back to Touch ID? Or was this already planned for the iPads? Because I can see it both ways for sure. I would say it was planned. Like, I don't think they had nearly enough time to scramble something that would work to Apple's satisfaction. Yeah. Um, and the iPad is much less a device where you need to, like, work with masks uh, in that yeah. regard. Like, you're at home with your iPad. I agree. So I, I think that was just because the, the Face ID stuff is probably still too expensive to just bundle in every device. Of course, they could they can. But they want to maintain their healthy margins, so that's why they won't. Um, and I would say that Touch ID sensor, although it looks really fancy, uh, is probably not that expensive for them to produce at this point because they they are comfortable with that entire manufacturing uh, process. Okay, so I, I agree with that. I'll I'll get to the obvious question then: Is uh, is the iPhone 12 
does it have both Face ID and a Touch ID device? Because let, so. let me let me say that. Because they're probably. Oh no, never mind. I was thinking about the Intel Max. Oh yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> I was gonna say because they don't use an Intel processor now, right. so they can use that money <laughs> to put in a and oh no, no, the iPhone yeah. seven. Yeah. But yeah, I like. What do you guys think? Does it have both Touch ID and Face ID? I would say if they can, then definitely, right? The button doesn't yeah. take any more space uh, at that point, um, and it doesn't seem like like the the power button on recent iPhones did get bigger over time, like longer at least. Mm -hmm. um, and I would assume this Touch ID sensor it doesn't need to see your whole finger. Like you would train it with your whole finger, but then it just needs a little sliver to confirm and triangulate with. So I don't see if there's any technical limitation why there wouldn't be one on the iPhone. And it seems like they knew that Face ID had limitations even before everyone needed to wear masks. Like there were some issues with it. I, on a daily basis, need to enter in my password just because Face ID just times out after looking at the ceiling too much uh, and doesn't decides it doesn't <laughs> like my face anymore. So it's like you use your passcode at that point. Uh, and I got so used to that when I never used my passcode in the past. So having Touch ID there, uh, along with Face ID might be the sweet spot where uh, for most people it just like you never need to enter a passcode again and for those that are really security conscious you might need both um, right. to get in um, and uh, I think that combination like happens to work really well when we all suddenly need to wear masks um, <laughs> yeah not no, to I mention agree. not to mention I would be super excited to see it coming to the watch as well because mm -hmm. I hate typing my passcode on the watch and uh, that yeah. unlock your phone to unlock your watch thing never works for me. Really? Uh, so, but how, oh. how often are you typing in your password on your watch? Every morning. Because when you put it on, you have to. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. It's, but then, but it's like it's four digits, Dimitri. Come on. <laughs> four? <laughs> I don't know. Four digits. It should be at least six, if not eight. What? Yeah, four, 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 is proven, four is proven to be not very secure. Like. But it's your watch. Like, you literally, like, you don't leave yeah. it just, like, your phone, right? That's like, true. my phone has yeah. often break, like, That's 10 true. digit. But I, I get right. it. I get it. I get it. You, you guys are probably right. Probably but the other right. thing that I, I'm really, so I would love if that was the case. It's, it seems like flat sides are pretty, is a pretty strong rumor. So there's, you know, there's room for sort of that style of button to appear on the side of, of an iPhone. Um, and then the other thing is, like, for those of us who who live in warm climates, this probably isn't as much of a thing. But like for you, Johnny, right in in Utah, I mean, I don't think it gets like insanely cold there, but it gets cold enough. Um, so like wearing gloves, right, makes Touch ID not as good. Mm -hmm. uh, having even just literally having the temperature change so drastically can make your fingerprint not be reliably uh, readable. So that that I've heard that as a limitation uh, in in places where it's very humid or it rains a lot, like in Orlando where I live. Uh, it, having your fingers be like sweaty or wet yep. can lead yep. to problems. So then those are like I think clear scenarios where Face ID makes more sense. But at the same time, you know it's not the case that Face ID is a, a perfect solution in every scenario either. So to me, the perfect answer is both right give me both and i can pick one or the other at any given situation and and that so like I'm, I'm at a you know i'm at a restaurant to do quick takeout to grab my food and i need to you know like pull up my order or whatever on my phone i have my face mask on i'm putting in my passcode but if i could just use my finger to to unlock there that'd be great and then vice versa like when i'm at home and just you know not don't have a face mask on i, I would actually just prefer to just 
swipe up and just let it read my face and, and go from there. So I think that would be great. Uh, whether they that fe- that feels like I could totally believe either of these things being true, where either Apple sees that and sees a clear way to market that as a solution and it's going to be like, this is the greatest thing ever. Or I could also see them being like weirdly snobby about it and be like, no, we're only going to give you one or the other per platform. Yeah, the pros get face ID and with the, like, yeah, the non-pro yeah, iPhones. Yeah, with like no explanation. And I could totally see either of those being true. I, I agree 100%. I have a really dumb question. Have you guys used uh, those gloves that have like capacitive fingertips? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you can you train them on Touch ID? No, uh, yeah. because oh. Touch ID is a camera. It's a camera sensor that has no lens, so oh, it really? looks one. Yeah, it looks one to one to where your finger is. So rather than look at like a conical viewpoint, which is what a lens does, it looks one to one. So whatever you put on the glass, that's what it sees like via a camera sensor uh-huh. so it's just uh-huh. a camera sensor that's cut out like this uh-huh. i don't even think it's a circle i think it's just a square in the circle so like, um, more like so a I, photocopier like whatever you put on top yeah, yeah, of it exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah so it's not like a photocopier where it scans no. it's just that's the sensor right um and the pixels are much larger than the sensor in the back of your camera because that one is teeny tiny and then you have a, a lens to focus right. the light on yeah. it so this one is just a one-to-one with what's on the glass. And that's oh, all it sees, what's on the glass. Everything else I is a I, I didn't know that's how it worked. <laughs> <That's cool>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not, not to draw this topic out too much, but the last comment I have is exactly what Ben said. I want to echo it. Like, I think we're sort of like, it's a given that it's going to come with both Face ID and a Touch ID. But it's Apple. I yeah. can totally see them being like, what? No. Here's a weird one... curveball for no reason. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if it does, is, is it like, did they backtrack and finally let us have both? Right. Because it's the right thing? Right. Or because of COVID? Because it's like, right. I could see it either Or way. this yeah. is what we were going to do all along, right? Like, that's another famous Apple trick is like, this yeah. was our plan all yeah. along. It's like, mm, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Personally, I think the underscreen uh, sensors need to get better so that way on your iMac you can just put your hand on the screen <laughs> and it would just scan your <laughs> Because it. we all know there's not enough room in that display bezel to put a Face ID camera for whatever reason. It needs to be as thin as possible. So just put your hand on your screen. <laughs> get all the fingers aligned. Uh... Uh. Uh, in any case, there were other announcements as well, and these were more closely related to services rather than hardware updates. Johnny, can you tell us a bit more about those? Yeah, so um, I'll offer an unpopular opinion. I, uh, for the most part, felt like this event was pretty boring. Um, mm. I, you know, don't at me, you know, but <laughs> I, it was email it was, Fernando. Look, yeah, yeah, look, yeah, email Fernando. <laughs> Look at this watch that's looked the exact same since Series Four and has you know one one big feature that it we're comes adding, in which red is cool. and blue Don't now. Be... That... Okay, and it has a sure. single sure, fan, sure, sure, Johnny. Sure. Did you even watch the event? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So we so we get a couple of new colors. We get a a nice feature that's that I think people will get really hyped about. But then it. It's it's not super useful unless it saves your life, which totally I, forget you know, about it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were all excited about the the EKG coming to to the watch, and, and we, you know, we get it and try it day one. We're like, oh, that's a really cool feature. And then when is the last time you've <laughs> used the EKG? So I I 
don't get me wrong. I believe that the Apple Watch is like saving lives and that like these features are super important. Um, but there's just not quite enough uh, to get me to upgrade every year. But and I don't know if that's what they're going for. It seems like Apple usually tries to like add enough that it's like I'm considering upgrading again. But I, I feel like the the watch has not gotten me to upgrade for. I'm on like a two or three year cycle when it comes to upgrading the Apple Watch. Um, I, I also felt like the iPad Air was cool, but it was you know they're bragging about how cool this design is. And like Ben said, I'm looking at the iPad that I bought two years ago, and like, <laughs> it's exactly the same. Like the, the camera is the same. Like it, but like the iPad Pro has obviously got a lot of features that that I prefer, especially like the refresh rate of the screen. Yep, um, that's a game changer right there. Um, so for the most part, I I was um, a bit disenchanted by the event, um, and so we'll see if if hopefully the iPhone event can can salvage that. Um, so the thing that came out of this that I was probably the most excited about was, was the Apple one bundle. So we know that Apple has been releasing, um, a lot of services lately, um, you know, starting with, with iCloud and Apple music, uh, and then following it closely with, uh, Apple TV, Apple news plus and Apple arcade. Uh, and then they announced Apple fitness plus, um, mm. which is only a really useful and available to people who have a series three or above Apple watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was, it was an exciting demo. I just kept thinking of, of Peloton and how it all be, it'll be interesting to see how Apple fitness plus affects Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I guess the culmination of, of all of this is they've released a ton of different services and every time they release one, it's like, Oh great. Another thing to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, why not a bundle? They're they're kind of changing this market of being able to kind of put all of our subscription services together. Um, still to be determined on whether the bundle is enough to get me there. Um, because I, I, I personally don't use Apple Arcade or Apple News mm-hmm. or Apple Music very much. And so... And even Apple TV is is sort of debatable. So I'm I mostly want the iCloud and the Apple Fitness Plus. And I think that the bundling the iCloud, I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they announced that the iCloud was then going to be part of the bundle, I was like, oh, you maybe got me. You maybe got me. Um, so yeah. So <laughs> to be determined on whether uh, this is something that I look at, but I I think it's a it's a good call by Apple to sort of get us away from like oh which ones am i paying for and and forgetting about which ones you're paying for and instead just having you know you've got the full bundle of all of the mm-hmm. apple services um and it provides a lot of great value to a lot of people so i think i'm I'm with you there as well where i don't think i'm going to be getting apple one um and that's purely because i pay for the f- full tier of icloud i haven't listened to music yeah. in three years like even my own music uh, just what? because I, I have so much other things going on. I listen to podcasts way more. Uh, so I have no value in, like, Apple Music. Uh, How do you code? Te- <laughs> in silence. In the quiet. I can't code in with anything. Are you, are you doing, like, it's totally silent I'm working on this? Yes. That's so bizarre. <laughs> Because I no no well yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry that's the the opposite of of myself because I have to have music as repetitive as possible to get in the mood. If I don't have the music, I get distracted immediately and start going like other directions. Interesting. 
Um, so like Apple TV, uh, we have that free year. I was hoping for another free year with the next iPhone that comes out, and maybe I'll give it a try. Um, but I don't, I don't think I'll pay for it because I, I haven't used it in months. Um, so like I don't, there's aren't enough of the Apple services that I'm like I've bought into already that a thirty dollar per month thing is attractive to me. Um, so I'm curious to see like if uh, either you, Ben, or Fernando. Uh, are using enough of these services where that's actually um, a good price point for you to jump in. Yeah. We paid, so we're currently paying for, so I'm paying for Apple Music for myself um, and Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because I wanted to try and get off of Spotify if possible and it looks like it's pretty much doable and and in general I like their, the Apple Music app better than the Spotify app mostly because it's, well, I agree because it's more like oh, a regular iOS app <laughs> than Spotify is. Um, uh, yeah, Spotify sucks, Jenny. <laughs> so, email Fernando. Yeah, yeah, email Fernando. I'll, I'll stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so the Apple Music app is not perfect by any means. I mean, there's definitely some weird UI and and sort of UX in there, uh, but there's also some weird UI and UX in the Spotify app. I mean, that, that's not you know. And the fact that it is only dark, I mean, I know some people love only dark mode. They had never, they've, they've, as soon as dark mode became available, they went to dark mode permanently and never, never looked back. But my phone <laughs> goes back and forth day and night. Um, and, and so I would actually, I would actually like a Spotify interface that is not dark all the time. Anyway, that's getting, we're getting like way off point. Uh, so I have Apple, <laughs> Apple Music. Um, we also pay for extra iCloud storage, uh, the $3 a month plan, which is, I think, the 200 gigs. Um, and then uh, we also, so we have a free Apple TV Plus year from some hardware purchase they made last year, um, and that's going to expire relatively soon. Uh, and then we did try out Apple Arcade for a couple of months, and then just we're like, eh, there was some fun stuff in there, but it, you know, it it seemed like over the summer anyway, uh, there was like this steady stream of titles coming out, and then it slowed down. And I don't, I don't know if that was maybe the summer or if it was like there was a bunch of. They kind of like had amassed a bunch at launch and then were, you know, whatever. Uh, but anyway, we were just like, eh, so we, we turned it off. Um, but at this point with those three, well, those two things for sure, and we're probably going to go ahead and buy Apple TV Plus because we liked some of the shows that were there. Uh, at that point, you kind of like teeter over the edge where you're already paying for enough things that you might as well just go in and, and essentially, and we're really interested in fitness plus. So like if you had that $10 a month, now it's like, well, now we're at like 25. We <laughs> might as well just pay the $30 a month us yeah. for the premier one. And then we get everything, mm-hmm. which I did have, I tried the news plus thing. Like when they gave you the three, the free trial. And I actually found it to be kind of like the Netflix problem where there was way too much content. And I felt <laughs> completely overwhelmed by like, there's 400 magazines and there's and it's mm. like, I, I, I know I'm not going to get my money's worth out of this. Um, and so, uh, plus I go through kind of bouts where like, I'm really into trying to sort of stay connected to the news and then other times where it makes me angry. And then I'm like, <laughs> I don't look at it for a while. So it's just like, as a, as a product, it's, it's just not, I think it wasn't going to give me enough value for the price that it was. And so I let the trial expire and then I just did it. But if it was just you know, and this is the old, the whole, the old argument, right? Like, if it's bundled in, I might as well just go ahead and and do it. But I wouldn't probably be paying for that, right? Like, I'm basically paying for all the other stuff. Yeah. And it, and there's a there's math, right? That where where sort of it works out after so many services, it just makes sense. Like, why don't you just get the premiere and then or whatever, whatever tier works for you, and then you get 
uh, a better value um, where you can literally pay less or at a minimum you get sort of for the same money you get more things yeah yeah Johnny since you since you introduced the topic let me put you on the spot <laughs> what service could Apple provide Ooh. that you'd be like yeah, I mean, because you said the iCloud, oh, maybe you got me. Well, what could they offer to get you? Like, yeah, boom, here it is. Well, so I, I do, I pay for the two terabytes of iCloud. And so, so I was taking that into consideration of like, well, I already pay $10 a month, like, you know, and then the Apple Fitness Plus does interest me. Um, if, if Apple TV Plus can get a little bit more content oh, i don't know i i i would maybe be convinced but i just I've, I've watched one or two shows on apple tv plus and they were good but it was also like i are they gonna make another season of it like i feel i wasn't yeah. sure yeah. if like the yeah. shows that i actually liked were gonna like come out with more seasons and i don't know if apple tv plus is like are they only doing original content or are they gonna try to buy some stuff but like i just it's I if they want to compete with like Netflix and with Hulu, like they've got to get some more content on there because I feel like it's like, yeah, there's like what well, I don't know, like eight yeah. original shows or something. Like it's just I I need some more I need more content to make Apple TV Plus worth it for me. And when they can do that, and at least three of these things that are already in this bundle are are worth it to me, then then I'll go out with Apple One. But the Apple TV Plus has got to got to get some more content to to get me there. They also that makes need sense. to they also need to quit calling things Apple TV because there's way too many things that are called <laughs> Apple TV, so it's really confusing. Um, but yeah, yep. They so they are they are doing a little bit of that, like the um, Greyhound, the movie with Tom Hanks. That was basically a movie that was being produced and was going to get released in, in theaters, and then COVID happened, and so they just straight up bought the movie and put it on Apple TV Plus. So they they didn't produce that for the. The, right, the and that's that's a great movie. And, yeah, it but is. It's like the only one on there. Like, so it's like <laughs> once I watch it, it's like. I, yeah. Are you listening to? I used Apple TV Plus was what to watch that movie. Yeah, and that was like over a month ago. Like, I just yeah. I need yeah. something that's going to keep bringing me back to it to make it worth it to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, I think if uh, the fact that you can get more iCloud space is what will probably make me do it eventually. Uh, because you can get an additional two terabytes if you ever mm. teeter over. Um, and I am in the 1.5-ish range at the moment with my yeah. multi-decade year long like photo uh, library. Yeah, so uh, if that ever gets close to it, I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I have no other option and I don't want to deal with it. Uh, so throw money at the problem, it'll make it <laughs> exactly. go away. Yeah, yeah. the Marco plan. Um, I love it. Yeah. If, if there was one thing that Apple could add that I would go ahead and buy it instantly would be if Apple TV had, like, anime. That's mm. done. I would I'd happily pay for anime because I love anime. So uh, I don't watch that much TV. Apple TV, uh, buy Crunchyroll, and then, and then there you go. You've got your solution. Done, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, just the only reason why. because of what Johnny was saying. Like, they'd probably overproduce an anime, anime ser- series, and then you'd be like, wow, this is pretty good. And then, boom, no more content. We're already used to that. <laughs> yeah, if you well, watch anime, that's true. 
That's fair, yeah. yeah well, the other I thing that's that I thought that was really interesting you brought up, Johnny, is like that is a thing. Like that is a real thing. I mean, on and not just Apple TV Plus. That's on Netflix. I mean, there's been several series that we've watched on Netflix. We're like, this is great, and then it's like, nothing really happens. No more. And then like, oh yeah, we decided we're not going to do that anymore. And it's like, why not? It's great. Meanwhile, so they're cranking out season after season of stuff that nobody wants. But but that it is interesting. Like in today's sort of streaming based TV consumption world that uh, it really is not a given that any show that you watch is going to get any more content, um, no matter really what, what platform it's on, seemingly. Although I, I think probably Apple TV is... I mean, I guess to be fair, we should, to be fair to them, right? They've, Apple TV Plus has only been around since last fall? Not that? even a year. Or not even a yeah, year. Yeah, right? and, like, and they only have like billions of dollars. So. <laughs> no, I'm saying as far no, we're, as... We're talking trillions. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I'm saying as far as like proving themselves that they will produce more content of the same I, shows, I, I right? Like we, we, they haven't been around long enough for that to be for them to have uh, to not made made good on that promise yet. But yep, I agree. Talking I about know. billions I of just, dollars, yeah. Go, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about billions of dollars, uh, this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Super Easy Timer. So Super Easy Timer is a quick and easy to use timer app for your Mac. It's completely text-based, so you can type in English what you want, 20 minutes or 5 p.m., hit enter, and instantly start a timer. The timer understands English text to create, update, and start a new timer. You can quickly change an active countdown, even while still counting down. There are simple keyboard shortcuts to reset or pause, um, but other than that, no menus, no sliders, just use English to control your timer. So we want to thank Super Easy Timer for sponsoring our show. Search for Super Easy Timer on the Mac App Store today to give it a try. Uh, now that we've gone through our main topic, uh, it's time for Complete the Code, where we quiz our listeners on your knowledge of Swift, Apple, and all things development. Ben, can you take it away? Sure. So last week we had a, uh, a question about a, cl- a view class that had some a parent and, and some children. Um, and the uh, we do have two winners, actually, for last week's question. So... The, the first winner is David Wright, and he writes, A child's reference back to its parent should be weak or unowned to avoid a potential retain cycle. In this case, it should be weak because the reference to its parent is optional. So something like uh, private set weak var parent view and then uh, uh, the question mark for the optional. John Bash also got it right, um, and so he writes, in addition to the weakness mentioned, you could also end up with a less explicit cycle where two views are both each other's children and parents. So like view one adds view two, and then view two adds, adds view one. And then uh, David writes again, I just noticed the the not equal operator on line 11 in the um, prompt that you see on the screen or in the show notes. This should be replaced with a with the identity version not equal equal, I don't think it's it will even compile in the and the not equal operator in in there since the view class does not implement equatable. So those are the answers from last week. This week, uh, that's the prompt at the top of the screen if you're watching, uh, or it'll be the chapter art if you're listening to the podcast later. Uh, we've got uh, the code below that you see will output hello Ben. Uh, how would you change line three so that it inputs hello Dimitri instead? We have a var string called name that is initialized to Dimitri. On line three, we define a closure with no arguments called introduce, which prints the contents of the name variable. Following the definition of the closure, we change name to be Ben and then call the closure. This output, this code will output hello Ben as it is right now. So how would you change this code? Uh, how would you change line three specifically so that it outputs hello Dimitri instead? So uh, tweet at us 
with the complete the code hashtag. Um, and uh, if you get it right, we'll give you a shout out in next week's episode. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. Uh, so with all that out of the way, it's time for compiler error. Uh, so you all know the rules already, so let's go ahead and jump right in. So today's theme is all about SE devices uh, that Apple has introduced over the years. Uh, so let's start back in time. So introduced in 1987, uh, the Macintosh SE was a special edition of the 128K Mac that was the first Mac to offer a color display as an option, although limited to 8 bits. So number two. Introduced two years later as a processor update for its predecessor, uh, the Macintosh SE30 was unofficially expandable to a whopping 128 megabytes of RAM, an amount that was greater than many future models, and its board and front panel were available as official upgrades for the original Macintosh SE. Number three, a surprise to many, the SE naming made a comeback in 2016 as the iPhone SE, a special edition of the iPhone 6S, that used the iPhone 5S case and would mark a new tier of low-cost iPhones with up-to-date components. And number four, available today, the Apple Watch SE follows in the footsteps of the iPhone SE, but rather than use the internals of the flagship Series 6, it is instead closer to a limited variant of the Series 5 with an S5 package on a chip, but without an always-on display and electrocardiogram sensor. So Johnny, why don't you go first? Um, yeah, so three, I'm pretty positive three is, is right. Um, four, there might be something in there that's just trying to be sneaky. Um, <laughs> you've played this game before, I see. Yes. Announced yes. today. You should all know this. <laughs> well, this was two days ago, man. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> that four is, four is true. But then I one and two. It's that was before I was like even born. I don't, like so I don't even know how to answer those ones. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I think uh, two is yeah has an issue. Okay. Oh, let's see. So uh, Fernando, why don't you go next? The reason I hate this game is because <laughs> it's always so <laughs> obvious to me. Which 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 is the uh, uh, the error, and then you say that it's never right. <laughs> yeah, it's never right. I'm never right. I don't think when I say that. But this time, I think it's very obvious that it's number three. And okay, I also, so number three is the wrong one. Yeah, because I, I I also never know if I should say why because that gives you should say an why. advantage. Uh, you're all working against me, so <laughs> okay, perfect. Then yes. So I'm. I mean, the iPhone SE was was not a special edition of the iPhone 6S. I'm, ah, that's, it didn't have the form factor of the iPhone 6S, but I don't remember. I don't think it was 2016. It was the last generation. It, it had the form factor of the last generation, which was the 5S. So it was 2007. The iPhone 8 is 3G. 9 is... This is how we keep track of the years nowadays. We just Ten, memorize four. the iPhones and then just go back. Seven for S, 12, 5. No, definitely. It's not 2016. So it's number three. Final okay, And Ben? All right. So I, I am almost positive that number four is correct because I was listening to ATP and I'm pretty sure they said exactly what's written on here, basically, oh, yeah. that it is a Series 5 <laughs> 
basically a Series 5, except it doesn't have always on display. It doesn't have the EKG sensor. Um, uh, and, and otherwise, is essentially the same thing as a Series 5. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that that's, that's correct, and it is called the Apple Watch SE. Uh, the first two, if, if one of those is the incorrect one, we are all going to shame Andrew Madsen for not knowing, because he would de- if he were here, he would definitely know. He is a, an early Mac connoisseur. Um, so, uh, man, that color display thing seems early. 87 seems a little early to have a color display. Uh, although it being limited to eight bits seems like a reasonable limitation. Um, the number three I thought was totally true until, uh, until to meet, until Fernando just poked a whole bunch of holes in it. And now I'm not sure anymore. Thanks a lot Fernando, for, <laughs> for like, making it even, cause you're right. Like it, some of that sounds like that could be, it is not technically a special edition of the iPhone success, but if it was launched alongside it, it is just a special edition phone. It could just be some license that. Dimitri's taking with the language, who knows? Or it could be a technicality that he's intentionally put in there to fool us because this is this game. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to assume that 3 is right and that he that he was trying to throw us off with the early ones because he figured that we wouldn't know, which is true, we don't. But uh, the other one, so two years later, processor update, uh, 128. Again, it sounds kind of Apple-like to do what is described here. Um, front? It's board and front panel were available as official upgrades for the original. That's also very weird, but maybe could be true. I'm just going to go with my gut, which is probably wrong, and say that number one is incorrect, that I don't think that there was a color display. But I'm I'm almost sure that I'm probably not right. Okay, I, so I, let's start with... Go, 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 go. No, last thoughts, Fernando? No, keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay, so you all agree with number four, so let's start there. Uh, so this is absolutely true. Uh, there is no mention as to what SE stands for. Mm. It's just the Apple Watch SE. Um, and that brings us to uh, number three, where we have the iPhone SE. Uh, and iPhone SE, SE actually stands for special edition in this case. Uh, and this is absolutely true because the iPhone uh, 6S internals were made available uh, in a new phone that was released afterwards uh, in that same model year, but mm. in the next year. So that's why the the timing might be a little bit off. Uh, I copied the year directly from Wikipedia, so uh, I don't know if it actually matches up or if someone screwed with me on Wikipedia, uh, but I will blame them uh, if that year is wrong. Uh, but this one is absolutely true as well. So sorry, Fernando. No, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia, and I would I would say that even if you get got pranked, I would say it's a valid... Uh, it's it's correct. Well, and your streak your streak is maintained, Fernando. You're still wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this brings us to number two. So introduced two years later as a processor upgrade to its predecessor, the Macintosh SE30 was unofficial unofficially expandable to a whopping 128 megabytes of RAM via software. So you actually needed to install an extension, and then you can access even more RAM that was available on the hardware. Um, and that was that's completely true. Uh, and many computers that came after it did not have this capability to address more RAM, which was uh, quite surprising. Um, and now, a fun fact, the SE30 used the Motorola 68K, uh, but it ended in a 30. Um, but at the time, when they had this naming convention, they would always add a little X next to the model name. But having a Macintosh SE X uh, raised some problems that uh, they ignored when they came out with Mac OS X. Uh, so uh, they went with uh, Macintosh SE 30. Uh, now this brings us to number one. Before um, you go to that one, 
I yep. was going to say that Ben, no, Ben is probably right that that's the incorrect one because the SE, uh, the Macintosh SE, I think it's the 20th anniversary Mac, isn't it? Or is, or is that different? That's a different Mac. It's ah, really weird looking. I hate this game. Bye. I'm, I'm leaving too. <laughs> I'll see you guys. So uh, Johnny is wrong with that one. Uh, because that one is absolutely correct. And it was quite surprising that Apple did sell like an upgrade to the original Macintosh SE, uh, that it was just a board and a front panel, the front panel, so that way you get Macintosh SE 30 uh, for the most part. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so uh, this leaves us with number one, and congratulations, Ben. You finally Yay, got one I right. I finally got one right. Gut. Now, uh, I would caution you to say that color display is too early because the Apple II could drive a color display yeah, right. or one of the variants of the Apple II. Uh, now, unfortunately, the Macintosh SE30 or SE was a uh, mono, not mono scale. Uh, it was a black and white monochromatic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just black and white, uh, no no shades of color. Uh-huh. Uh, you could upgrade the SE30 to a grayscale display, like aftermarket, mm. um, and it was capable of doing it because I had enough RAM. Uh, but the Macintosh SE uh, did not have that capability at all. Uh, so congratulations on getting this one right. And not to mention, uh, the SE part did not stand for special edition. It stood for system expansion. So it was wrong on two fronts. Um, nice. So uh, SE is being used in many different ways uh, throughout Apple's uh, Apple's uh, tenure over the name. I love being I right for the wrong reasons. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so uh, that brings us to the end of our show. So as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening live and uh, listening and watching us this week. Uh, we'll be streaming every Thursday, every Friday. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know uh, when new episodes go live and get released. Be sure to also sign up for our monthly newsletter on our website at CodeCompletion.io, where we will recap topics we discuss, reveal answers to complete the code, and share even more things uh, we learn between episodes. And most importantly, as a new podcast, please be sure to uh, share this with all your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. Uh, It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around all these topics. So once again, I want to give my thanks to Fernando, who is at uh, From Junior to Senior. That's F-R-O-M-J-R-T-O-S-R on Twitter. I want to thank Johnny, who is at Johnny D. Hicks. That's uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to screw that up. J O H N N N Y D H I C K S on Twitter. Uh, and Ben, who is at Ferris Guy, that is F E R R O U S G U Y on Twitter for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri, and you can find me at Dimitri Buniol. That's D I M I T R I B O U N I O L. Uh, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.